Hello, and welcome to the November edition of In Conversation With, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Peter Hayward, editor of the journal, and today I'll be talking to Juliana Reyes of the Centre for Epidemiological Studies on Sexually Transmitted Infections and AIDS in Catalonia and the Public Health Agency of Catalonia, and Jose Miro of the Infectious Diseases Service at the Hospital Clinic of Barcelona, University of Barcelona. Juliana and Jose will be talking about a paper published in the November issue looking at sociodemographic, clinical and immunological factors associated with SARS-CoV-2 diagnosis and severe COVID-19 outcomes in people living with HIV. Before we get to Juliana and Jose, I'd like to draw your attention to some of the other content in the November issue. The issue includes three papers about long-acting injectable antiretrovirals. We have long-term follow-up data from the FLARE and ATLAS 2M studies, and a viewpoint which looks at the ethical issues associated with trials of long-acting injectables as PrEP. And now, let's speak to Juliana and Jose. So, Jose Maria, Juliana, thank you very much for joining me today. Hello. Peter, Hello, Peter. thank you to invite us. Thanks for inviting us to do this podcast. We're very grateful to have you here. In your study, you have looked at the factors associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection and COVID-19 outcomes in people living with HIV. Why did you think this was an important question? Yeah, well, when the, uh, uh, we're the trying to define this study, we uh, did uh, uh, PubMed research and, and, and factors affecting outcomes of SARS-CoV-2 infection in people living with uh, HIV were unclear. We uh, uh, studied three large uh, papers uh, suggesting an increase uh, of incidence of severe COVID-19 outcomes in, in this population. However, they, they have uh, uh, important limitations, uh, such as uh, an, an uh, inadequate adjustment for pot potentially confounding variables, including uh, socioeconomic factors, comorbidities, and immunological and, and biological markers. Uh, in, in addition, uh, one study performed in South Africa uh, showed that a uh, lower CD40 cell count was associated with a higher mortality, but the, the main problem of this study is the, the CD, CD40 cell count was only measured during the, the, the COVID-19, and, and this could be uh, misleading. So whether immunosuppression or an unsuppressed HIV viral load uh, are associated with severe COVID-19 outcomes is really unknown, uh, and these uh, were the, the aims of, of our study. And so your study, it's uh, done in Catalonia and takes advantage of two regional data sources. Um, those are PISCIS, PISCIS, is that, is that what it's called? Yes, yes, And then also PADRIS. Could you tell me a little bit about these data sources and how they helped you to do your study? Okay, I will answer that. Uh, before to speak about data, I think that uh, behind the data, there is a huge group of uh, clinicians, epidemiologists, public health specialists, uh, people from the agency quality healthcare uh, department inside the, the Minister of Health itself that has been working uh, to, to get these this results. PCS uh, cohort is a, is a collaborative study that uh, has been collected data from 1999 uh, among um, 16 HIV units in Catalonia and two HIV units in Baleariela Island. They, all the clinicians that work in those units are working on the data to just upload this data to be collected in just one 
data set that is work at the, we work with the data set uh, at the SaySCAT. And here we got uh, a large number of people working with this data, data managers, statisticians, and epidemiologists uh, as myself. And uh, in the last two years that when the SARS-CoV-2 uh, starts, uh, the Minister of Health has made a big effort to put all the health information systems together to be able to track the response to SARS. And in that sense, what happened is that we, we were able to link PCS cohort with this data set from the Minister of Health uh, to the AQUAS, uh, which is the, the agency of um, a healthcare quality and evaluation for Catalonia. And we were able to track uh, how many people has been diagnosed, uh, test, uh, the outcomes of disease related with SARS and COVID-19 uh, uh, infection and disease. And we were able to, to put together everything to answer the questions that were published in the HIV Lancet. So I, the, 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 the bottom line here is that we are a huge group of many people working together to put together a huge database that is uh, able to be used to answer uh, questions that are, that are important to answer now. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, obviously one of the most important questions of the time, really, isn't it? It's a, and it's an incredible, incredible that sort of such a huge group is able to come together. And, and it's important for you to know, and Catalon and, and Juliana can exp better explain than me that the, the PCS core, that is the Catalonian and Balearic Islands core of people living with HIV, uh, has more than 30,000 30, people in active follow-up. So it is a huge core. And, and having the link of the PCS core with the, 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 the Paris core that this is this public data analysis of for health research and innovation program of Catalonia. It's, it's give us an increase of quality of our data. So it, I think it's, this is very important. Yeah. It, it was a, a, a big aim also of this study. Yeah, we, we are proud to say that our cohort is a population base because mm -hmm. we are covering 85% of the people that is diagnosed with HIV and is on care in Catalonia. So that's, that's, that's important because our data is representative of all the people that, that is living with HIV and is in care uh, in Catalonia. And, and I think it's around 60% in the Balearic Islands. So our coverage is very high. Mm, it's, a, it's an incredible resource then. And this will be important not only for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic HIV, also for the HIV itself, so to know the comorbidities, communications, etc. So we'll increase, uh, you know, all the, all the HIV data sets have a lot of information regarding the HIV by itself, but maybe are lacking information regarding smoking status, alcohol use, uh, com uh, communications, comorbidities, etc. So having integrate all this information, I think it's, it's, it's very important for us. It is yeah. important, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> for this reason, Juliana is here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. It's uh, yeah, really interesting. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, we'll look forward to see, seeing more studies that come from this, maybe, maybe in the journal. Um, so getting back to the, the present study about uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 and HIV, what, were your, what would you say were the key findings of, of your study? Again, I can answer also this, this question, but to base of our knowledge, we were able to, to identify the huge, the huge cohort of uh, 
people living with HIV and COVID infection in Europe. So we identified more than 700 cases with uh, COVID-19. 14% uh, of these, uh, of these uh, patients were admitted to the hospital. So were more than 100 admissions. And 13, one, three uh, patients died, this 2%. And it's very, it's very important also that we all these cases uh, have a definite diagnosis because in all cases, so the, the infection was uh, confirmed by molecular biology, by uh, antigen detection or by antibody detection. So our definite diagnosis of COVID-19, this is very important. So there are no, no we did not include patients without uh, uh, a definite diagnosis. And we were able to identify uh, uh, risk factors for acquiring the, the SARS-CoV-2 infection and also prognostic factors. And regarding the, 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 the risk factors for uh, acquiring SARS-CoV-2 uh, SARS infection were uh, the uh, migrant population had an increased risk, also uh, men who have sex with men, and people living with HIV with several comorbidities. These, these were three, three independent risk factors for acquiring SARS-CoV-2 infection. And regarding the, the prognostic uh, uh, factors, uh, I think it's, it's also very important because these prognostic factors can identify a subset of patients with a, a worse outcome and also potential candidates for prevention, for vaccination. No? And we identified uh, uh, several prognostic factors. One was the age. So older, older people and people in our study above 75 years old was an independent prognostic factor of severe outcome. Also, uh, uh, the non-Spanish origin, uh, the presence of comorbidities, and importantly, uh, the presence of uh, a detectable uh, plasma HIV RNA viral load. So uh, this was an independent uh, prognostic factor or, or bad outcome. And among these patients with detectable plasma, those that were immunosuppressed, between brackets, late presenters, less than 350 CD40 cells had a worse outcome than those above uh, this, uh, this uh, 350 uh, CD40 cells. So we believe that uh, these findings are very important uh, in order to, well, to take care of uh, those patients who had these prognostic factors, and also in order to prioritize the, the vaccination programs against COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I just want to add a small thing, uh, mm -hmm. which is important from our study, is that we were able to like uh, describe the continuum of care of yes. HIV population related with SARS. So we 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 uh, calculate the, the rate of diagnostic among all the people living with HIV in Catalonia, then the rate of um, testing uh, and worse outcomes that were related with hospitalization or with that. So it's like we try to, to, to describe the continuum of care of this population that were exposed to SARS-CoV. And this is important because it have been uh, done by anyone else before, uh, which as um, Dr. Miro said, controlling with all the cofactors that uh, uh, were, were not controlling in other studies. And I want to highlight one of the things that uh, Dr. Miro said is migrants. Uh, we found that migrants are a priority group among HIV population, not just for diagnosis, but also for testing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what we saw with this, this, this paper is that uh, 
testing wasn't a priority or prioritized among HIV population during the whole time that that uh, COVID has been uh, tried to control. So this is also important for our paper that we were like doing the whole continuum of care. We were giving data related with testing, which is important because it's, it's the first step to diagnose early and avoid uh, bad outcomes, and also uh, we are identifying uh, groups that had over overlapping risk factors such as uh, migrants. So this is also important for our paper. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Juliana. Very important, and, and just uh, to know that our migrant population came mainly from South America, so from Central yeah. and South America. And this is more than 50, 60 percent and people and migrants from Eastern European countries or Northern uh, African countries are, are a minority. Two thirds are migrants from uh, Central and, and South America. This is one point. In, in another study, this is not the aim of, of this study, we compare this continuum of, of, of care uh, in HIV infected population without the non, the general population, the non HIV infected populations. And maybe you, Juliana can highlight the main findings. Well, it's, it's, that was very ecological analysis because we want to 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 compare the continuum of care uh, between HIV population and general population. And what we found is that HIV people that is living with HIV, they they are uh, like lower access to testing. They were prioritized, but also they are not testing as 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 much as people without HIV were tested during the whole period of time. This, mm -hmm. this analysis was uh, performed until December 2020. Uh, so testing was a problem because uh, HIV population were uh, testing as much as we thought they were tested. And uh, diagnosed, it was, it was pretty similar. And what we found is that uh, worse outcomes that is, um, has been hospitalized in, uh, in, in just in a general um, um, service or, or in a ICU or be there is lower among the HIV population, people living with HIV, that uh, the general population. So it's like uh, we, we describe this with the onions that the gardener has uh, described uh, in another paper. And we try to put it in an onion graph just to compare both uh, uh, population. And it's, it's really nice because uh, especially with testing, what we have found is that HIV population has been prioritized for, 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 for diagnostic and for access to, to, to early tests. Okay, well, that, thank you. That's uh, really interesting. And that's in another study. Um, has that been published elsewhere? or No, it's, it's, it's submitted as well. Right. Yeah, it, it's under review. Right. But it, it has been presented in the EACS and uh, uh, in right. the Congress that is currently it's ongoing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it has, it's a poster there, yes. Right, okay. <laughs> but it's um, very ecological, so it's not, it's just a chore a report that we, we have done here. Yeah. Great, okay. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, so then, stepping away from, from the study for a bit, I wonder if you could tell me um, how Catalonia and how Spain more widely are doing in terms of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic right now. Spain is doing 
very good. I mean, despite that, well, infection is, is increasing and in the last two weeks has increased compared to the uh, previous month. The infections are increasing and transmission has increased, um, especially because uh, there are people moving abroad and, and there are some places where there are hot pots of transmission uh, related with, with, with people, foreign people that is, is coming, especially for holidays in, in Spain. Mm -hmm. But despite of the increase of uh, infection, the number of people that has been hospitalized and the number of deaths related with SARS are, are floating. So is, they are flat and there are no increase in the numbers of, of uh, worse outcomes related with SARS, which right. is good because it's what we expect. And this is due to the good uh, vaccination campaign that has been set here in Spain. It has been uh, really fast, uh, currently uh, around 65 people, 65% uh, of the population has been uh, well vaccinated. So they have received at least two doses of vaccination. And now they are giving the third dose to those groups that has been prioritized uh, and has been, uh, they have been identifying as uh, higher groups uh, to get infected with just two doses. So among this population, uh, HIV population with, um, with immunosuppression, that means that with less than 200 CD4 uh, cells has been prioritized and they are receiving the third dose of, of the vaccine. So in, in general terms, Spain is doing very well. Uh, despite the increase of infection and the transmission, uh, vaccination is, is doing uh, its work and is, is working very well. I don't yeah, know if yeah. Jose Maria wants to add. No, no, yeah, yes, yeah. I fully agree with you. So, the vaccination, uh, I think, is vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. The data from the Ministry of Health, one dose has been received by almost 90% of the Spanish population. Mm -hmm. Really, right now, only the children. Uh, is the group is, is lacking to be vaccinated, children uh, below 12 years old. So, and, and the other important thing is the rate of vaccination in the people living with HIV is the same. So there is no, uh, this is the same rate. So, and the access to vaccination is the same in HIV positive and the HIV negative populations. And this is a great new because there is no discrimination. So it's, it's very important. Actually, it should be a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's because they're, they're being prioritised. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great to hear. Back in the May issue of The Lancet HIV, you were both authors on a review that we published that provided an overview of SARS-CoV-2 uh, and COVID in, in people living with HIV. How has understanding of COVID in people with uh, HIV changed in the past six months? Is there anything we know now that you didn't know yeah, yeah. when you wrote the review? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a very good question, Peter. So first, we, we were very happy that Lancet HIV accepted our uh, uh, our review because it was the first uh, review summarizing all the information related with uh, COVID-19 in patients living with HIV. And also, I remember the first case series of five cases that also were published in, in your journal that now I think has more than 300 citations. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing, no? Since that time, uh, uh, there are still gaps in the knowledge of these two, uh, two pandemics, COVID-19 and, and HIV. One important issue that we are trying to, to study in our core is, the, is to clarify whether or not tenofovir protects against SARS-CoV-2 infection. So this is, uh, uh, so some core studies are su suggesting that this drug 
can have some uh, activity against SARS-CoV-2 uh, viral polymerase and can protect people uh, People uh, taking the tenofovir, although you know there are differences between the two formulations. So it seems that tenofovir, bisoproxyl fumurate uh, has the protective effect and, and, and delafenamide not. So it's from, this is the, uh, difficult to understand from a, a pathophysiological um, point of view, no? But well, this is one, one gap. Also, I think it's very important uh, uh, to know uh, the, the, the efficacy of the different types of vaccines, so the mRNA vaccines, or also the uh, adenovirus uh, vector vaccines in, in, in the HIV-infected population. So there is lack of information. The main studies published, the proportion of HIV-infected patients were very low, 1% only. So there is a, a need to have more uh, data of the efficacy and safety of vaccination, vaccination in the HIV, uh, uh, HIV population. Also the duration of the humoral uh, immunity in this population in order to know when the, the, the new, the, the thero, potentially further uh, additional vaccine doses must be, be given in this in this population. Also, if uh, the CD4 T-cell count in the virological suppressed patients uh, has an, an important effect in the, in, the, in the efficacy of vaccines, maybe those who uh, have less than 350 or 200 cells, the, the rate of uh, of antibodies is lower than uh, in, in, in patients with more than 200 or, or 350 cells, as it has been seen in other in other diseases, in in, in the hepatitis uh, uh, virus vaccines or in the pneumococcal vaccines, etc. Also, uh, I think it's, it's it's very important to increase the the, the vaccination in in, in sub-Saharan African countries. So because. Uh, most of the people living with HIV, 80%, are concentra concentrated in, in sub-Saharan, in, in Africa. And in Africa also there is a, another pandemic. So this is the mycobacterium tuberculosis pandemic. No? And, and COVID-19 are affecting the, the care of HIV and also of the tuberculosis program. So I, I think it's very important that the patients with uh, HIV in Africa uh, should be vaccinated as soon as possible, not only for protecting them, uh, and this is a priority for everybody. So, and Lancet HIV can do an important effort with uh, statement positions regarding the, the, the COVID-19 vaccination in Africa for the general population and the, for the people living with HIV for two reasons. One, to protect individuals, and, and, and two, in order to avoid the potential mutations in SARS-CoV-2 that can affect the efficacy of the vaccine. So I think these are the, the three main gaps that we have currently and probably we will overcome in the, in the, in the, within the next few months. Well, I just want to add one thing, and is yes. that is, um, is, is, is a big question, is how, how people living with HIV is going to uh, be after the dis disruption of care that has been due to HIV yes. because Jose Maria was speaking about people living in Africa, but our health system are no equal, are different. Here in Spain, the, the, the access to universal healthcare um, is, is for everybody, even those that are in a irregular administrative situation. So, uh, but still there, there was a big disruption of care. And now we are trying to measure how big and how, how this reduction is going to impact 
in the care of HIV uh, among this population. So this is one big question that we need to answer. And the other one is the, is, and this is a priority, is to answer the, what are the barriers to, 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 to get the vaccine? Uh, still, that we are uh, vaccinating everybody. HIV population has been prioritized when they are immunosuppressed. They have been vaccinated as much as the general population. We need to identify barriers to access to vaccination because there are still uh, 30% of population that is not getting the vaccination. So we need to identify why and which are those groups that are not getting the, vac the vaccine and, and try to tackle those barriers to, to, to gain uh, really high courage to, to avoid uh, worse outcomes among this population. So yeah. I think um, plus what uh, Jose Maria has said, these are the two other yeah. ones that I will add. This is very important, Juliana, thank you. And also for the people that these uh, uh, people are, who are listening to us, it's very important to understand that uh, the mutations in the virus in the HIV field is at the individual level. Can mutate if uh, the, the people is not taking appropriately the, the antiretroviral drugs. But for SARS-CoV-2, so the mutations appear at the population level. So the mm -hmm. virus must, so we should stop the circulation of the virus in the population in order to avoid these new variants of concerns or uh, variants that are fully resistant to the natural immunity, the vaccine immunity or, or the vaccine. Uh, or the, or, the, or the vaccines that currently we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, I'll just say our, our editorial, which is coming out in the November issue, does also make the case uh, of the sort of the need to prioritise getting vaccines to as many people around the world as soon as possible for this reason to uh, to stop development and spread of new variants that could threaten the threaten the response. So, well done, Peter. <laughs> well, we do what we can, but no. Well, thank you. Um, thank you so much um, for for this really interesting piece of research and for and for sharing your thoughts on the re on this research and the interaction of uh, SARS-CoV-2 and HIV in the podcast. It's been really interesting to speak to you. Thank you, Peter, for inviting us again. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much. We are very happy. Yes. Thank you. And if you're interested in this topic. There is another paper in the November issue looking at SARS-CoV-2 outcomes in people with HIV and without HIV in the USA. As we alluded to in the conversation, we've actually published quite a lot on COVID-19 and HIV in the past 18 months, including a review from Juliana Jose and colleagues that was published in the May 2021 issue of the journal. We hope that you'll take a look at that, and I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, please make sure that you are subscribed on whichever platform you use to listen to your podcasts, and make sure you join us again next month when we will continue the conversation.